0: Welcome to the YYM Orlando Teaching Podcast. We share teachings and trainings that empower Christians to overcome fear and change the world by knowing God personally and making Him known to others. If you enjoy this content, be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with others. All right, we're ready? All right, Hans fixed it. (laughs) (laughs) Actually Gabe, we gotta give Gabe. Gabe, yeah! (laughs) Okay, we ready? Okay, smoking weed. What's our biblical Christian response? That that and that and this and that and that and this and that. All right. Okay. So I want to talk about this. Does the Bible say thou shalt not smoke pot? No. But it does say to be. Okay. This is it, guys. Often when we talk about sobriety, what do we often think about? Alcohol. Guys, it's not about alcohol only. It's about sober-mindedness. And, guys, I'm telling you, if you can honestly tell me, and I have had people do this to my face, if you can honestly tell me you can smoke pot and be sober, I'll say, okay, then you can smoke pot. That, that's, there's the line. There's the biblical line right there, guys, okay? Okay. So, and here's another thing. If you need something to get closer to God, you've got a problem. It's called addiction. Okay? In the book of Genesis, God, when he, cre- when he, when he made creation, he gave us dominion over all things. Guys, I know as a former pothead, the minute my head popped off the pillow, it was, where's a bag of weed? You know? Hey, Gabe, let's hang out. You want to get high? I'm going to a movie. Let's get high. I'm going to the beach. Let's get high. I'm going to work. Let's get high. It constantly had dominion over me, okay? That is not the way God has said it. We are on top. We have dominion, not the animals, not the trees. We have dominion. Do we got to take care of those things? Say yes. Because we have dominion. We have authority. Amen. Okay? So over and over, it talks about being sober, Oh, oh, I want. We won't watch that. Or do you get the volume going? Hansel? Gaby? Gaby? (laughs) It's not going. Don't worry about it. Basically, this is an interview with a guy. His name is George Carlin. And he says it's a a comedian. He's dead now, but uh, very anti Christian but very politically minded, very smart. And he said this, that he goes, like it or not, marijuana is a values changer. Once you start smoking pot, your values change. And I, I listened to this interview, I'm like, why does the pagan get it and the Christians are running around with their head in the sand? Guys, value, what are our values based on? Right there, why do you want this changed? That's what happens, Guys. Okay, with this, he talks about windows and doors of perception open. You begin to see things in a new way. Guys, you guys are going to get a uh, teaching on spiritual warfare, I think. Right, spiritual warfare? And they'll talk about gates and doors. If I wanted to leave this room right now, where do I go? I go out a door, a gateway. So I want you to think about this. In our minds, guys, in our hearts, those are gateways. Those are openings. Those are access points. We have to stay guard on them. We don't just open them up and let anything happen. We guard that stuff, okay? And I say this, I'll just say this. Here, there's only two gates in your life, guys. Everything you are going to do from this moment forward and past, the only way you learn things, guys, is through what you see or read or through what you listen to and take in. So how important are those two gates? Very. What you're reading, what you're watching, what you're buying into, what you're listening to, you know, enter music and movie teaching right there, okay? I'm not going to go into all that, but think about that stuff. What am I watching right now? What am I letting in through the gates? Because it matters in our spiritual life, okay? I want to talk about these three words here, the first one is sophrono, sophron, and nepho. These are the three Greek words that Paul and Peter use. And I want to show you the definition of each one. The first one is to be right-minded and self-controlled. Please tell me after you smoke pot, you're right-minded and self-controlled. I could sit up here for the next hour and tell you silly stories with Larry for an hour about the dumb things I did. There's panic, there's anxiety, there's poor coordination of movement. These bullet points are pulled right off the CDC's website. These aren't things Ezra's made up, okay? Paranoia, that is not right-minded. Irritability, well, Ezra, when I smoke pot, it's really fun, and we listen to Led Zeppelin, and <laughs> okay, all right? I want to say this. When you start smoking pot, it is a blast. It's fun. Don't take quote me out of context there, okay? What happens is it is like that, but the older you get the more you do it, what happens is the, the fun is up here, the pain's down here, but over time this is what happens. The pain increases, the irritability increases, and the fun goes away. At about this point, your intellect should kick in and say, oh, this isn't working anymore, and stop. But a lot of people, that doesn't happen. They keep doing it, and the pain now outweighs the fun over and over and over, and I gotta do this now to function in society. I got to use something to be normal now. That's a problem, and you begin to get irritable. You begin to have anxiety and panic. And what about this? A sound mind, sane. Yes, it's psychologically addicting. Marijuana is not physically addicting. It's psychologically addicting, nonetheless, still addicting. Okay. Studied reduced ability to learn and retain information within months of being clean. After I got saved, guys. I was remembering what I did last week. For years, I could barely remember what I did the week before because the short-term memory was gone. That's a problem. And the last one, calm and collected. All right. No, it's, it's, it should be not calm and collected because it's, or, so, I'm sorry, sober is about calm and collected. You're not that when you're on pot. There's that irritability build again. Personality and changes. Appiness, apath- appiness. Nappiness. Apathy. Drowsiness. Lack of motivation. Okay? So, I mean, here's more problems with it, okay? It hurts us. It's unfiltered pot smoke, has more carcinogens than cigarettes. Um, slows the development of babies that are breastfed. Impaired memory. Difficult with thinking and problem solving. Impaired body movement. It goes on and on, guys. And the stronghold here is addiction. You can argue with me till you're blue in the face with it. You will never ever convince me that smoking pot's okay. All right? And until you have revelation from that, from the Holy Spirit, I can't convince anybody of that, okay? But I want you to go to scripture and be honest with yourself. Guys, a lot of times with lordship, with serving Jesus, it's about being just be honest with yourself. It ain't about winning the argument tonight when you're in bed, you're by yourself, and these thoughts are going through your head. Be honest with yourself. Can you honestly say you're sober when you smoke pot? That's the question, okay? Not did God create it, not, oh, there's benefits to it. It's the sobriety thing. Then there's the medicinal side of it. If somebody like me is offered medicinal marijuana, I would say no because of what it used to be in my life. I, I don't think I could do it because of that. Now, there's all sorts of circumstances, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to go into all that, but I think the bottom line is about sobriety, Okay? Next. All right, it's an addiction, amen? So what are we going to fight? We're going to use the fruit of the Spirit. Say hallelujah. Bam. Oh, I included drunkenness in there. Okay, don't get drunk. Okay? <laughs> Just don't get drunk. Well, how many can I have? I don't know. Don't get drunk. Okay? I am a 250-pound silverback male gorilla. Okay? Yeah, here's, what pe- here's what people say, well, I can have two. Two, like two what? Two 12% beers? No, you can't. <laughs> I'm a if you know I'm a 250-pound man, I can have a five percent beer and have it zero affect me. You can be a 98-pound female and have that same beer really affect you. You know, mine's sitting on top of a hamburger and all this, and it's different. But so we can't say one or two, or when I'm falling down sloppy drunk, really. Okay, well, that's when you're drunk, but what if you're drunk when you have two or three and you get behind the wheel of a car and you drive down the road and the cop pulls you over and you blow into a machine and a number comes up and you go to jail for drunk driving and you're still functioning? So you got to ask yourself these things, but the bottom line is be sober, not drunk with wine so you can drink whiskey and beer. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Drunkenness, we're going to nail these three. Hatred, murders, revelings, and wrath, Okay. I'll put them on the next slide here. Put them on the next slide here. On the next slide. Come on, dude. Now it's gonna go. Okay, wrath is a rage and a boiling up. Here we got a definition of it here. Guys, this is not just for men. Women suffer from this too. And when I say suffer from this, they lack. We lack self-control. It's that thing that uh, just rages up and you go and punch holes in drywall. Okay. Or whatever. This thing, guys, Jesus wants lordship of it, okay? Because it happens. And I was like this for years. There was a, just that boiling up. There was a rage and I would go fight. Okay? Jesus wants lordship of this stuff. There is also, I think the next one is mer- hatred. First John 4.20 says, how can you, if you hate your brother, how can you love God who you can't see? You can't do both. You can't hate somebody and love God. It doesn't work. Okay? And you guys are gonna go through in a couple weeks a little bit of this about forgiveness, past wounds, and sins, and God's gonna work through that with you, okay? If you already haven't, or you're in a process of that, okay? So that's what hatred is. How about murder? First John 1 John 3, 3, 1:3:3:15 says, if you are angry at your brother, you've committed murder against him. <clears throat> like, you see, guys, this law, the law says don't murder, but grace says, bam, it goes a little higher. The New Testament, the new covenant goes higher, man. We can't even be angry with one another, guys. When we are angry, the scripture does say, be angry and do not sin. So we can do that, but let's reconcile with one another not let this uh, go farther than it does. And even with murder, guys, we used to, with disagreements in the church, we, you know what we used to do 500 years ago? We would burn each other at the stake 700 years ago. A guy says, hey, the earth is round. They burn him at the stake. <laughs> Think about this. You know, we're much, much more civil now. Do you know what we do nowadays? We write blogs against each other. Guys, the spirit is the same. It's about your the death of your character, the assassination of your character. The pen is mightier than the sword. That's what this is about. We can walk into our Christian bookstores when there were Christian bookstores, and you can go over to the bestseller shelves, and there are often books written by Christians against other Christians. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. We need, we can't engage in this stuff, man. And we'll talk about this a little more in a second. Reveling. All's Reveling is, I love this uh, definition. It's a nocturnal and riotous procession of half drunken and frolicsome fellows. I won't read the rest of it. I just think that's a funny definition. I mean, the indication here is just a bunch of drunk dudes. It's like Detroit, anytime they win anything, they burn half their city down, or Vancouver. you know, I joke, but that's what happens. With sports, all right? So the stronghold here is anger, lack of knowledge of people who are creating God's image because we're angry at or against, okay? And we are going to use what to defeat these things. (laughs) What are we going to (laughs) use? For the spirit. That's the, oh my gosh, look at all that stuff. Kindness and goodness and faithfulness. Self-control is like on all of them, guys. Self-control is so amazing. You know I said I say this to usually most schools I teach in but guys it's not about how much you pray and you worship and you read your Bible and uh, it's a it's a it's about that that now that understanding of who God is and walking out in that guys where the rubber meets the road is how you're treating your neighbor or how you're loving God guys I mean we got to worship and and read our Bibles and all that so if we need that guys that's that's part of 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 what it is to serve God, but that's not an indication of how close I am to Jesus. You ever read that in the scripture? But Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name and prophesy and heal the sick? If I was up here right now healing the sick, prophesying, raising dead people, what level of Christian would you put me at? Yeah, like super turbo, like high-octane Christian. But Jesus is very clear to us. He says, I never knew you. Depart from me. So now don't be going to every church service and be like, he probably doesn't know, and he's healing. So don't do that. But know that, guys, the indication of who you are in Jesus is tonight, when you go to bed and you're laying there with your thoughts and when you're alone just communing with Jesus, that's who he knows you as. Be known there to Jesus. Not to me. Don't don't impress me. Don't impress the staff, guys. Impress Jesus. Walk right with him. Give him rulership, guys. That's the most important thing. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what our staff thinks, guys. But as you're walking true with him, the natural outflow of your love for Jesus is going to be to other people. Why? Because God loves people. Therefore, we should love people, right? Amen. Hallelujah. All right, emulation. What's emulation? Uh, I stuck murders in there because I think we talked about murders. Maybe not. Emulation. All's emulation is, guys, is jealousy, okay? Is there a good kind of jealousy? Yes, there has to be. Why does there have to be a good kind of jealousy? Because God is jealous. Okay, so there is a good kind. That's not what this is talking about. Here's what... Here's what a good kind of jealousy is. On March 11, 2000, I got married to Rhonda Griffiths. Well, Rhonda Harris. Rhonda Harris no longer exists. I'm kidding. Rhonda Griffiths is her name. That was her maiden name, Harris. So anyway, at a time of the um, ceremony, at a certain time of the, uh, the thing, the, the who? Reset? No, the, the wedding. Ceremony. At a certain time of the ceremony, the back door is open, and who is standing back there? Rhonda, who is called my bride. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> so now, during this, listen to the biblical wording here, guys. The bride and the bridegroom, as she's walking towards me, and I and uh, as she's walking towards me, are we looking at each other? Oh, yeah, our gaze is fixed on one another. Nothing is gonna interrupt that. Now, I'm not up there like, hey, man, when is this going to be over? Like, with my best man, like, hey, you want to get some chicken wings after this? Like, I'm not doing that because it's just laser focus. Now, what if as she's walking towards me, some of her ex-boyfriends are in the congregation? Little P.P. is out there <laughs> somewhere. And as she's walking, he, she, he, she gets by her, her, uh, his aisle, and he's like, Rhonda, Hey! I tries to get her attention, she stops walking towards me, takes her gaze off me and looks down the aisle, then starts to move down the aisle towards Pete. Should I become jealous? Yes. Guys, if I didn't become jealous, there would be something mentally wrong with me. Now, here's emulation. I pull out a baseball bat and go just flying over the pews and rack this dude's skull in, okay? That's emulation, Okay. Don't do that, and don't have a baseball bat in your ceremony at your wedding, all right? So jealousy, non-contentment is a good one. Guys, this thing with non-contentment, we get jealous of things that people have. Be content. Paul tells us to be content with prosperity and with humility. I say humbleness. Is humbleness a word? Every time I hear people say humbleness, is it a word? Yeah, I know, but it just, anyway, you guys got me off topic. Rhonda saw this vision. We were at a YWAM conference several years ago. My wife saw this vision of a picture of two paths, and one path was treacherous and rocky and hard, but then it got easier the farther it went, and just the opposite for this one. It started easy and got treacherous later, and the word that was burned across that vision was contentment, convenience and comfort and contentment. And the idea was that are you willing to serve Jesus to a degree that he can mess with your comfort and your contentment? Because contentment kills lordship, guys. Convenience kills this stuff. And I'm not saying to paddle up the Amazon and, like, look for headhunters to kill you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about be willing to go step into that stuff, Okay? That's the deal. Are we willing to enter into this kind of affair and not have the this, this satanic lullaby like our Iranian sister says? All right, the next ones I want to talk about are... <laughs> there's a few up here, I think. Next ones. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> Behind the back works. Strife, seditions, heresies, heresies, and variants. I want to talk about this. There's murder, keeps popping in there. Okay. <laughs> Don't kill people, okay? So, debate and contention, heated disagreement. Are you the argumentative guy or the I need to be right guy? Because if you are, it needs to stop, okay? William Tullian, he's one of Billy Graham's grandsons, said, when you feel the need to respond to criticism, it reveals how much you've built your identity on being right. <clears throat> like, I read that, and I was like, Ugh! Like, you know, get the dagger out of my back, because... That is an amazing thing. Being the argumentative, being the the need-to-be-right guy, that's strife and sedition because it causes division, okay? Guys, are we going to agree with each other? Not 100% of the time. No, we're not. That's okay. That's part of the proverb saying iron sharpens iron. That's okay, okay? You guys, you just entered into an international, interdenominational organization, Some of you guys believe that speaking in tongues is right. Some of you are like, my pastor says that that has been gone for a long time. Some of you think the King James version of the Bible is the only version there ever was and ever will be. Others of you are like, that's no, there's other versions. Some of you think prophecy exists. Some of you like to dance with your arms up here. Guys, it's, this is part of what we are in the body, and we can, we can disagree with each other, but it's how we disagree with each other that's the big deal. Okay? I can disagree with you and be peaceful and be loving and be kind, or I can disagree with you and be a pain in the butt and write blogs against you. And call you out and what you are, and we're going to talk about heresy in a little bit, because that there's a line there, I believe. Okay, so with this strife and sedition, it's a conflict within an organization. Oftentimes, it's a church split. It's often a division of people caused by people. Uh, you ever read the story of Absalom? Absalom was. <sighs> I'm so sick of this. All right, now it's going to go away. I knew it. Absalom was one of David's sons, and what the Bible says is that Absalom would sit at the gate of the city and wait for people to come in, and he would ask people, what is the, what is your thing you're bringing to the king? And they would tell him his his deal, and Absalom would say, if I was king, here's what I would do. And the scripture tells us that he stole the hearts of the people and basically Caused a big division, chased David off the throne, and later on his demise, he was killed. But the idea here is gathering people, thinking more highly of myself than I ought. My group knows the best about this. You know, we see this in churches. I had a church, uh, there was a church in southwestern Michigan that did this. This was years ago. That there was a group of intercessors. Is intercession important? Absolutely. Okay, the intercessors felt like they were supposed to intercede during the church service. So they went to the pastor and said, hey, man, we want to, you know, intercede during the service. The pastor came back and said, I don't feel like that's necessary during the service. I want you guys in the congregation. (gasps) The pastor doesn't believe in intercession. Got all offended, okay. Are we doing unoffendable heart in here? That would be, okay. All right. Got all offended, got a group of people together. It's like the pastors against intercession caused a church split. Because they were thinking more highly than themselves, intercession's important, but listen, guys, when the worship leader's up there, what does the worship leader think the most important part of a church service is? Worship. And then the pastor is sitting in the front row tapping his foot when the worship leader goes ten minutes over because he feels like what is the most important? The word. Or the sermon. Now, during the sermon, there's an evangelist in the fifth row saying, what are we doing here? We're wasting our time, you know? There's people out there dying and going to hell, and we're in here singing songs. Like, guys, it all works together, right? Paul addresses this in the scripture about the body, right? Does the hand say to the eye, we don't need you? Ex- no, of course not. The body functions together, all important parts, but when we elevate one above the other, it causes division. we got to be careful with that, Okay. Um, Your DTS, one of the main things in here, guys. How many of you guys want to ruin your DTS? Anybody? Anybody in here want to ruin your DTS? Good. Here's how you ruin your DTS. Start gossiping about each other. Start gossiping about your leaders. Start causing problems. There's probably some of you in here that are older than your staff and your leaders. So what? Guys, you just joined an organization called... What's the first word? You. Say it again. You. What do we emphasize the leadership of? You. okay, so relax. It's our anointing. Do youth make mistakes? No. Does seventy year old people make mistakes? No. What's the problem? <laughs> okay, these guys aren't going to make mistakes. Well, they probably will you're gonna make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes, okay? Let's get over it. get over, get over it, guys we're gonna. Ah, geez, guys, get over that, okay? (laughs) Just submit, love one another, and speak life to one another. Guys, and what happens is Proverbs say that where words are many, sin is not absent. What often happens, it's 11 o'clock at night, it's 12 o'clock at night, you're in your dorm, you start talking, all of a sudden somebody starts gossiping. What needs to happen in here, guys, you got to commit to each other, to hold each other accountable to that stuff. Like, hey, man, let's not talk about that, it's just not... It's not righteous. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be talking about Joe like that, okay? Even though he's a Ravens fan, okay? We should not be talking about Joe like that. You know, this happened to me years ago. I was in uh, Dean Sangre. I don't know if you guys, he, he's one of our main leaders here. I was working with him. I was in a van. We were in a van. It was hot. It was Orlando, and we're driving. There was some staff doing work that wasn't the same work I was doing, okay? Have you ever noticed, all, how many of you guys had jobs in here before you came? Okay, a few of you, have you ever noticed that your jobs, like, often were the only ones that ever do anything?
1: Like, I'm the only one
0: that does anything around here. You ever notice that? It's just like, no, you are not the only one that does something around here, okay? And I said, I was like, Dean, look at them over there. And I started just gossiping about our staff. And Dean says, Ezra, stop, I'm not going to gossip with you today. And I went, (laughs) like... Like, you ever have somebody just call you out? It's awesome. It's like, ah, oh, that hurt, but it was so good. All right? <laughs> call, called me out, and I had a split second to make a decision. I could defend what I was saying or submit and say, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. And I chose, yeah, I'm right. I'm sorry. And we got to work like that, guys. That wounds from a friend, uh, an enemy multiplies kisses, but wounds from a friend can be trusted is what the Proverbs say. Like, trust each other to correct, Okay? All right? And, well, they didn't correct me in the right attitude. The Bible doesn't say they have to correct you in the right attitude. It's constant. Take correction. Just read the Proverbs. Just read the Proverbs. A a wise man accepts correction, parentheses, only when it's given in love and peace and patience. Say no. It's not. We take it. If you want to learn, if you want to live, if you want to develop and grow deeper roots, guys, we got to take correction anywhere it comes from. Okay? And then just go pray, take it, and just pray that God reveals to them their pride <laughs> or their harshness or whatever. But, guys, oftentimes when we're being corrected, 80% sometimes is trash, but there's about 20 in, in there that sometimes you can, you can learn from, okay? So learn, be like that. Be teachable. Be correctable, man. Don't be offended, Walk in humility with one another. Don't lift yourself above anybody in here, guys. We're all at different levels in here. Some of you guys may have just got saved last week or last year. Maybe you're not even saved yet or you're going to make recommitments in the coming weeks, okay? That's okay. We're all at different levels, okay? Like what I'm teaching you guys is the Lord's going to reveal things to you guys if he hasn't already about activities and areas you need to get right before him. I always think of like a, a sculptor or a, a guy that, you know, makes statues. <laughs> um, like if, we had, if I was doing one of Joe up here, i get a big block of wood up here. The first thing as a sculptor that I have to have is an image of what that's going to look like. And this is what it's like with God, guys. He's got an image of what he's trying to build you into. You know, Michelangelo was asked about that. Beautiful carvings this guy made and beautiful statues. And somebody asked him, how did you do that? And he said, well, the image is already in the wood or the marble. I just remove the pieces that don't belong there. Yeah, real easy for him to say that. But but if I'm going to do one of Joe, the first thing i got to do, guys, is get rid of some big chunks, right? And this is how God works with us. There's, sometimes there's big chunks in our lives that require big tools. You know, for me it was... You know, my language, it was sexual sin, smoking, different things that were just like, God had to just and get off. Now it's not like that. Now he's in there with more fine-tuned detail instruments of torture and hurt. <laughs> it's like, what about that gossip? What about that thought? What about that, that thing that you just said there? You know, convicting me of these things that he is carving me and making me more into his likeness. And guys, here's the great news, it never ends. <laughs> you are constantly being built, constantly being challenged, constantly being in this, this learning stage, guys. You never get into a place where it's over. I just told you guys a story back in May. I submitted to this ministry about abortion, and God revealed all sorts of stuff. I've been walking around with it for 30 years, it was awesome. And we got to accept that. Like, my main prayer as a full-time minister for 25 years was, God, let me be a learner at this thing. I don't want to be this guy. I've already seen all this. I've been through this. Don't be that person in the DTS, okay? Hey, what are you learning this week? I've kind of already heard all this. Don't do that. Guys, ask the Lord for something to get. Guys, I've sat... I mean, this is my teaching, but the teaching you guys are going to hear this week, I've sat in it 20 and 30 times over, and I still get something out of it, because we got to approach it as a learner, man. Yeah, I've heard a lot of that, but where we are in our life sometimes, where we are in our journey, just like with the scripture, I've read that verse 57 times, but that 58 time, now that I've got three kids and I'm going through this situation, really speaks different to me than when I was 19 years old, or 27 years old. So come with that heart, guys, and learn from each other, amen? Now, heresy, we've got strife, sedition, the divisions, and the heresy is the thing I want to talk about, because it's, it's basically, it's a teaching that's contrary to that of orthodox religious view, okay? So what I do is I put these up as the core, okay? Within a DTS, because we're interdenominational, you're going to be learning some different stuff or uh, roommates with some people from different churches. But guys, the supremacy of Jesus, his the deity of who he is. Jesus is God, and his role in the Trinity. That is, these are the things right here that I would take a bullet for. Okay, it's like, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Yeah, and you're done. You know, do you believe that we should speak in tongues? (gasps) Well, what do you think? No, I don't think so either. Move on to the next person, you know. I'm not taking a bullet for that. I'm taking a bullet for Jesus is the only way back to God. The only way back to God. He's not a way or part of a way. He's the only way. The Bible's accurate, true, and inspired by God, and Jesus was crucified and resurrected Died and resurrected. Those four things right there is what separates us from every single worldview on planet Earth, guys. Those are the most controversial things right there. Those are the things we can't bend on, okay? Now I see it kind of like concentric circles, like a target. I got the core right there. I got women in leadership, tongues, predestination of the Sabbath. King James verse NIV is off the target because I don't even think it's necessarily a thing, but the rapture. So, those things on those outer circles, guys, I would not, it's like, hey, let's dialogue about it. What do you think about the rapture? What do you think about predestination? What do you think about the Sabbath? Let's talk about that. Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man another. Again, we can disagree with each other. It's how we disagree with each other. I walk away from a conversation with Hannah, and now I go over here and talk to these guys about how much of an idiot she is, and gossip, 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 and put down, put down, put down, and death, 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 that's a problem. Okay? You ever notice how we do this in Christian circles? It's like, Joe, I need you to pray for me and Rhonda. We're kind of going through it right now. But I want to tell you what she's doing so you can, uh, so you can pray more intelligently. And then I just unload on my wife to him. Okay? Like, we do this sometimes. Okay, don't cloak our gossip and trashing and death in spirituality, okay? Now, obviously, there's people I'm close with that's like, hey, Rhonda and I are going through this. My perspective is here's what she's doing. Can you help me? Maybe there's some way I'm participating in this too. I got to know that there's another side to this, you know? So, all that to say, the the... <laughs> No, that didn't work. Da- did I do a dance move? You should do it the there it goes. Gossip slander. Okay? Gossip slander, I know it all. That's everything, okay? Let's get th- through the spirit up there. <laughs> there it goes. Bam! Goodness, general self-control, okay? I don't know why this isn't working very well today. Envying is the last one. All right, do you promote one another? Um... Jonathan and David in the scripture, real interesting, okay? Who was Jonathan the son of? Do you guys remember? Saul, which meant he was in line to be king, guys. And we know that Jonathan didn't walk in envy because of the way he treated David. Like, imagine being in line to be king of the country you're in, and God just goes, goes over you and picks this dude, David, And you're like, what the heck, man? But we know the way David and Jonathan got along, that there was no envy, there was no slander, there was no uh, bad blood there. He promoted him. All right? The comparison, guys, we get into this comparison thing. Proverbs 24, 16 says this, that a righteous man will fall how many times? Seven times. And this is so important, guys, with us, where we're at. Again, we're all at different areas in our life. We're all at different levels. But well, listen, if I wiped out before you right now one time, how am I able to fall a second time? What do I got to do? I got to get back up. And that's the deal, guys. It's not about falling. It's about getting back up. And when we fall and stumble, fall towards Jesus. Okay? Okay? It's not about perfection, okay? The scripture does say be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. But you know what, guys? This takes a while to do this. There's things that I struggled with when I was 21, 22, 23 that I don't struggle with anymore. But there's things now that I struggle with that I never did then. And it's a constant progression of leaning into Jesus, guys. Lean on the Father so much that when he moves, you fall down. Be constantly leaning into him. Stay tender to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, man. When God convicts you of something, guys, make it right now. Don't sit around and wait and justify, and, well, she said, and this, and, well, they thing, think, do it now. Do the right thing right now. Humble yourself. Repentance, repentance, repentance. I'm going through with my older two kids right now, where we were a few months back, working through the book of Acts, because I, want, I wanted to, and I highlighted everywhere it talked about repentance, these guys, this is key in the Christian walk. Live lifestyles of repentance. I want them to learn any time. If you get under any teaching, any pastor, any authority that doesn't preach repentance, leave it. Because it's about repentance. Make it right. Be convicted, guys. Oh, guys, live so tenderly towards the Lord that when you blow it, you're convicted. Okay? Because, guys, it's going to – I love my kids did this one time. I forgot which one, but there was childcare going on, and one of the kids over there did something wrong, and he told on himself. And I remember it was Zuri or Kadesh said, I think he's going to be okay, Dad, like in life. I'm like, really? Why? He goes, well, he knows how to tell on himself. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's a great thing to do, guys. Be, live that humbly, live that tenderly before the Lord. Don't care about what anybody thinks. You know, I, I should have said this story during the marijuana Thing, but I was in YWAM for I was in YWAM almost five years, and I was on vacation in Michigan. Maybe four years, and I was at a family member's house, and there was a huge bag of weed on the kitchen table when I came in the house. And I'm like, "Hey, a bag of weed!" And I went over, smelled it, put it down. I was like, "That's good weed." And I went into the living room, started watching TV, and I started having this internal struggle. You know, the devil and the angel go go pinch a bud. No, you can't. You're a Christian. I just kind of went through that and, you know, got rid of the angel. I went out there, took a bud that night, rolled the joint and got just stoned by myself on that joint. And it was the most awful. It was awful. It was like one of the worst experiences of my adult life because I was so convicted. I was, oh, I was like trying to pray myself sober. And it's like, sober, gotta be sober. And it's like, oh, I'm not sober yet. And then now I go to bed, I'm just convicted. I wake up, I'm convicted. I, I repent to the Lord because I felt like it was just, you know, you're going to learn about circle of sin equals circle of repentance. And I just sinned before the Lord, nobody else knew about it. So, anyway, about three months later, I'm teaching a group of uh, YWAM kids, King's kids, we call them. Youngest one in there is probably six years old, oldest are 18. And then we got our staff in there, about 60 people. Now I'm up there talking about righteousness and holiness, and guys, we got the Bible and Jesus, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit interrupts me, and he says, shut your mouth. I'm like, and I, like, imagine if I just stopped talking right now, and I'm just looking at my notes, I'm going back and forth with the Holy Spirit, I shut my book, the Holy Spirit says, you're not living this, you just got high like a month ago, a couple months ago, and I shut my Bible, shut the notes, and I looked to the kids, and I said, I'm sorry, guys. I gotta stop talking. I'm not living what I'm preaching. I just got high like three months ago, and I just collapsed up at the front. Just cried. I was in the fetal position, and uh, our staff, Michael Berg, was was in there. You guys will meet him. He's like, um, uh, uh, I didn't know Ezra was gonna do that, but let's let's restore our brother, you know. And, like I got these eight-year-olds praying for me, and now guys, that was the last time I smoked pot. Okay. I often, before I enter into something, here's my filter. It's like, if I do this, am I going to have to repent in front of a bunch of people? Yes. Okay, I'm not going to do that thing. Okay. So that that's kind of my my filter now. Because guys, it's not that God with the furrowed brow was like, I'm going to embarrass you, kid. It's He wants He loves us so much, guys, that He wants us to live and repent. We want leaders. We want you guys to walk righteously and with security, and open and broken lives, and transparent lives. That's the, the, guys, without that, we've got people with secret sins hiding. we got people in pulpits that are stealing and having adultery. And we, guys, we can't have this in the church, man. We, we just can't. And we can't participate in this. This is why I go back to yesterday. If we're in bondage to pornography, if we're in bondage to sexual stuff or drugs, we can't release freedom into the church. We just can't. Because we don't have authority to do it, so let's have authority. Amen? All right, so I said that. Do to others. That's a Bible verse. This is so annoying. All right. Jealousy, poor image. What's your, there, maybe if I point it up there, it's bouncing off the back wall. All right, joy, kindness, self-control are the things we battle the envy with, okay? So we got all these things, and I want us to look that all these things, uh, we've kind of just already did this. Oh, I timed all of them. This is frustrating. Can you, somebody, can, yeah, just go to the next slide. I don't know why I time things, It's worthless to time things, like does that add anything, like to watch the arrows go to the thing? At some point in history, I thought it did. <laughs> all right, so all these things, guys, whatever the next slide is, Hans, go ahead and go to it, just close it out, or you can do that. There you go. I think the next one is, we're going to go back to John six fifty three, I believe. Yes, all right. So we just talked about eating flesh. Now we want to talk about drinking blood, okay? So now we're drinking blood. <laughs> All right, drink is pino again, figurative receiving. And the blood, I, I, we don't need to show that because I just told you what it is. The blood is the hahima, which is the seat of life. Uh, see that thing down there on number one? B says refers to the seed of life. And I looked up this thing about the seat of life, which is interesting. I found it on Biblical Hebrew E Magazine online. It says this just as the heart is the seat of emotion, the stomach is, according to Hebrew thought, the seat of life. If we think about it this, we can easily understand why. If we must first remember that the Hebrews were nomads who traveled from pasture to pasture with their flocks in search of food and water. Bread and wine. Think about this, guys. Flesh and blood. Okay? That was their primary goal in life. If food and water were in plenty, life was good. If not, it was bad. So you got Jesus in John 6, turns around and says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, speaking to a primarily Jewish audience who hears this, and their first thinking is probably about the seed of life is the way he said it, that blood was talking about the seed of life, where we got Jesus in John 6, constantly the bread of life, the bread of life, the bread of life, the bread of life, then tie it into the Old Testament with the grain offering. And then you got him in John 4 at telling the woman at the well, I am living water. And then you think of the drink offering. He's doing something here with his Jewish audience saying, I need to be your complete sustenance. I have to be everything if you want to inherit eternal life. This isn't about an oyster cracker and a shot glass of grape juice. Okay? Even though that's important, that's not what this is about. It's about lordship and complete dependency on this being called Jesus. Okay? John 6, 60, we see the group says, Hey man, this is a hard teaching. And after this, many of his disciples withdrew, withdrew and no longer went about with him. Don't be the many, guys. Be the few that stuck around. Now, in the scripture, in my mind's eye, because he just healed, he just fed 5,000, he just walked on water, he just did all this stuff. I think there was a great, massive group of people following him, and he says this, and in my mind's eye, everybody leaves except some disciples. As he says, I talked to the disciples, that could be wrong, that could be extra biblical, but it says, many left. And he looks to them, he's like, What about you guys? I want to challenge us in this room, guys. Be the disciples that want him for everything. Okay? This is for some of you, this is a new start. This is a fresh day. You've left your hometowns, your areas, and you're like, I need to start something new here. I've been entrenched in this passive Christianity. I've been encumbered and possessed by this just just middle of the road Christianity, and I don't want that anymore. Guys. And it ain't about what you do in worship and how loud you sing and how many Bible verses you read. It's about a heart transformation is what it is. That's what it's about, guys. Make him so real, guys. Ask him for that depth of relationship because he wants to give it to you. He wants that. That's his desire. He's willing that none should perish. What's the will of God? That's the will of God, that you shouldn't perish. Amen. Allow him to be all. Allow him to be your very nourishment, okay? Any guys, I could have came in here yesterday and just said, guys, here's Lordship. Anything, any place, any time, anywhere. Okay? That's who Jesus needs to be in our hearts, okay? And guys, if you've not said this yet, I implore you before your head hits the pillow tonight to say this to the Lord. Lord, anything, any time, any place, anywhere, I'm yours. That's what he's waiting for. I was on Totski Road in Baroda, Michigan in 1995 when I did that. I remember exactly where I was. And he constantly reminds me of that. I was in my 1988 Ford Tempo, four-door, it was red, with my $2,000 Alpine system, cranking worship music, just dancing in the middle of a road at 2 in the morning. And I just shout this at the Lord. His, and he reminds me of this periodically. Hey, Ezra, go do this. Uh, hey, remember what you said back here? Yes, okay, you're right. <laughs> and then I have a wife and children that do that to me. Guys, I had a, another time right after I was saved. I remember I was driving down, uh, you know, the road in your hometown, that road with, like, Burger King and McDonald's and that strip in your Neighborhood or in your city, and I was at a stoplight, and at the stoplight, the Lord—it was like a vision or a dream or something—he showed me all those industries. And have you guys ever taken uh, tissue paper and lit it on fire, like lit tissue paper on fire and then dropped it, and it's like consumed before it hits the ground? Usually, all the guys are like, "Yeah," and then the girls are like, "I've never do. Why would you do that?" But this lady's after my own heart up here. (laughs) Lighting things on fire, all right? And it's how, I mean, it's consumed before it hits the ground. And the Lord showed me all those massive billion-dollar industries in America went, whoosh, just went up in flames that quick. And behind that was the vastness of eternity. And the Lord told, told me at that stoplight, never put your trust in this temporal stuff. Only what you do for eternity is the only thing that's going to last. And I was like, oh, and then I went, the light turned green and I went on my way. But I've never forgot that, guys. So as we enter into this, as you enter into this, some of you are already there. You're like, yeah, I'm doing this. Some of you are like, no, I don't know. He is worth it, guys. And you're going to find that out as you walk with him, guys, that he is worth it. The word of God is like a lamp unto my feet is what the scripture says. And I want to challenge you that if we were in the dark right now, If we were in the dark right now, and I took a lamp and set it before my feet, how far ahead of me could I see? Yeah, ten, maybe 10 feet, depending on how dark it was and how bright the lamp was. Okay, so you can see the next few steps. The Word of God does not say that the Word of God is like a 40,000-candlewatt spotlight shining a quarter mile down the road. Now, every planner in the room just freaked out. God still works with that, amen. <laughs> Daniel's like, amen, <laughs> hallelujah. But guys, God, we, we have to trust the Lord to a degree. And I would, I always ask this, guys, faith without works is debt. If you're like, I trust God, I might, sometimes my first question is, well, where, how? Show me how you trust God. Where, where, where's your trust in God at? Well, I, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> It's like, I love my wife. I trust my wife. Well, prove that. Well, she's on every single bank statement I have. She has my credit cards. She's on my mortgage payment. She's on, there's areas I can show you. She has her own Facebook page. If you're married or have the same Facebook, I'm not saying that, but that's, I trust her to be out there. I trust her to travel alone. She trusts me to travel alone. That's where I can point to That's I trust her. Where are we at with our trust for Jesus, guys? And the, the number one thing, and I didn't, I didn't get into this, um, but finance, faith in finance is a hard thing. Okay, you've just entered something called youth with a mission. <laughs> one of our biggest deals is faith in finances, and guys, let me tell you something. Nothing tests your faith more than being pushed up against the wall, pursuing finances in the name of the Lord. And it is, because especially those of us from the West, we get that. Like, well, how am I going to, I can't, wait, I got to (laughs) pay. I get that. Trust in the Lord, guys. The word of God's like a lamp. As we take that step, he's faithful to provide for us, guys. But you have to take the step, and he will. And this is not just in finances, guys. This is in everything. If you want lordship, guys, get with him and then, Live a life where you're in complete obedience to him. And then next week, you guys are going to be learning about hearing the voice of God, I think. And guys, one of the keys there is living a life of repentance and keeping a clean heart. You know, I'm not hearing God. Well, did you do the last thing he told you to do? No. Huh? Is your heart clean? Have you repented? Is there things that you haven't repented for? Well, yeah, well, that, that's why, Man the Psalms say, if I regard sin in my heart, you won't hear me. That's what it says. Guys, this isn't this isn't like a thing. This is like a, I want to be free. I want to go forward. Repentance needs to be a joyful thing, joyful repentance. Man, when when a sinner repents, there's more celebrating in heaven than anything. Like have you ever noticed whenever we have repentance times, it's like Ugh. And, like, you know, we got our circuit riders talk about this, that, like, five people in dress in black come out from the right side of the stage, and the lights go down. It's like, repentance. It's like, no, let's repent. Woo! (laughs) Let's be happy about it and move on. Because, guys, let's repent of that sin. I ain't doing that crap no more. Let's move on. That's, I say that's as easy as it is. But, and I get there's hard things, but, man, let's just move on. Amen? So what we're going to do is um, I want to take some time to process a little bit with this up is uh, after lunch we're going to talk about this the the part of lordship is obeying remember if you love me you will obey my commands the last thing jesus said to us before he left earth was what go into all the world and preach the gospel to who all nations man it's the most exciting command in all of scripture guys and lo I'll be with you always to the end of the age. I mean, that stuff gives me goosebumps because he's with us, guys, and he wants us to go. He's given us power from the Holy Spirit, and we have authority, man, over everything. And, guys, what happens is when the word of God comes, the deceit of riches, the worries of the world, and the desire for other things come in and choke that word in you. (sighs) And we can go into a lot of this stuff. But the worries of the world, you know, one of the main worries everyone in this room has, well, I don't know if I can go into missions because I don't know if I can afford it. I don't know if I can trust God for finances. Guys, it's going to kill the word. It's going to kill the commands of Jesus in us and other things, death, marriage, all this stuff that the enemy whips up and just yells in our faces all the time. We gotta push it down, rise above, and take Jesus at his word that he will provide, that he will be with us. They look at the birds of the air, they don't sow, they don't reap, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, okay? Amen. Thanks for listening to the YWAM Orlando Teaching Podcast. Would you like to be in the room during a training like this? If you're ready to devote this season of your life to learning to live fearlessly and change the world by knowing God and making Him known, then go to ywamorlando.com and apply for free to our Discipleship Training School.